This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 50% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, of the 310 inductees into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 29 are from historically black colleges and universities. And one of the best is with us today. That's Archell. Archell not only is a Hall of Fame tackle, but he was the first African-American head coach in the NFL in 65 years when he took over the Oakland Raiders in 1989. A year later, of course, he was voted NFL Coach of the Year. Boy, Ron loves that music, and I bet Art does too. Art attended Maryland Eastern Shore, which, when he was there, it's called Maryland State, and where he was a two-time All-American and three-time All-Central to Intercollegiate Athletic Association selection. He's been with us before on this program, and we are delighted to have him back, as well as that Raider theme song. Hey, Art, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Art, first question for you. Um, the HBCU football programs, as you know, they've changed a lot since your day. Um, once they had some of the best talent in the world, but as you know, with integration came many more opportunities at larger schools. Right. Just wondering, um, the, HBS, the HBSC has, has suffered since then. I'm just wondering, are, are, are you sad to see how things have changed? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think the schools are still, uh, they still play a prominent role. Uh, just, just an unfortunate thing that um, kids nowadays. At, during the time when I was coming up, of course, I grew up in South Carolina. So when I was coming out of high school, University of South Carolina or Clemson uh, didn't recruit us. So historically, black colleges were an outlet for us. Uh, you had Florida A&M down south. You had in the state of South Carolina. You had Benedict. You had Allen and. I was recruited by most of the historical black schools, and I ended up going to Maryland State College. And today, uh, you know, the kids can go just about anywhere. So the big schools are coming in, and they're getting the cream of the crop, and you still have some some um, jewels in some of these schools, but not as many as they used to be. Yeah, well, I know Ron tells me that you actually wanted to go to Grambling and that Eddie Robinson gave you a bus ticket to get you on campus, <laughs> but instead you ended up at Maryland Eastern Shore. Could you tell us how that happened? Uh, what happened is that was we had that in 1964 when I graduated. We had you know they had the high school all star game for white for white kids, but there was nothing for the black kids. So that first that year, they started a black all star um, game for the black kids that were going to school in the state of South Carolina, upper state versus lower state. And I met um, I you know I heard a lot about Grandma and Maryland State and Eddie Robinson came down for the practices, for the game. Uh, I also played in, that, in the basketball game. So he offered me a scholarship. He said, I'd like for you to come to Grambling. I think you'd be a great asset to us. And I said, wow, Eddie Robinson offered me a, con- uh, a scholarship. Then uh, the coach from Maryland State, who was a, a high school coach in South Carolina, just got the job at Maryland State, but I heard about Roger Brown and people like that that went to Maryland State. So, wow, that's, that's huge. And so I decided I was going to go to Gramlin, and then and Gramlin, later Robinson called and said, "Look, we're sending you a bus ticket. We're going, we're going to have you come on in uh, to Gramlin." I said, "Okay." And then in the meantime, the coach from Maryland State called and said, "Well, uh, we're coming to pick you up." I said, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> so <laughs> my brother, I told my brother, I said, "Tell the coach 
from Maryland State when he comes. You don't know where I am, so I'm, I'm hiding from the guy. <laughs> and he came, he came to the house. My dad was at work. I, I lost my mom a couple of years earlier. My dad was at work, and he told my brother, "You tell him I'm not leaving here until I see him and I see your dad." I said, "Oh my!" So I went home, and I told him the same thing. I can't go anywhere without my dad. My dad came home, and he told Mr. Shell. I promise you, I can promise you one thing. If your kid goes to school, he'll graduate in four years if he applies himself. And that's all my dad needed to hear was to graduate from college. And he said, oh, you got it. Next thing I know, I was in a station wagon on my way up to Maryland State. It's <laughs> a great story. Any regrets about not getting to play for uh, Eddie Robinson? Uh, no. When I saw Coach Robinson years later, I told him that story. He's a God, I did a poor job of recruiting. That was awful. <laughs> well, I was interested to hear you say that you played basketball at that uh, at the All-Star game. And you were you were a good basketball player, correct? Uh, yeah, I played uh, played four years of high school basketball, only two years of football. Well, basketball was my first love. Man, I love wow. to play that game. Wow. And then uh, when I went to college, uh, of course, when you went to, to the small schools like that, if you could play sports, you played more than one sport. So I ended up playing basketball two and a half years there at Maryland State as well as playing football for four years so I I always thought basketball helped me with my game on the football field. The NBA didn't come knocking for you I didn't come looking for you? No no, I wasn't (laughs) maybe if I was a a few inches taller maybe but no. (laughs) Okay Um, well I know you 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 went to Maryland State from Charleston and of course later you, you went from Maryland State to Oakland Yes. Which was the more difficult adjustment for you? Um, you know, when you leave home for the first time and you go away from your family, that's a difficult situation. But we, we were, I, would, I went to a situation where the players at the school at the time, the seniors, the upperclassmen, were, were, were very good to incoming young people. And so the transition, it was a small school now. Maryland State, when I graduated from that school, we had like, as a co-educational school, when I graduated, we had like 600 and maybe 50 people in the school. So you had a lot, a lot of athletes on the, on, the, on the campus, and you had some young ladies and the instructors. But the main thing about that is I got a chance to know all the instructors that I had classes under. And if I had problems, I could always go talk to them and say, I'm having trouble learning this, and can you give me an idea of how to make sure I get this into my brain? So... All things being equal, I'd go back to that same school again. Even the way things are now, if I could go back and have the same kind of teammates I had, same kind of professors, I would still go back. Wow. But going to Oakland, it was that's a that's a great that's a big move. Yeah. Right. So you go to Oakland, and again, all of the uh, um, all of the the people the, the they had just come off the Super Bowl playing the Packers, so I was excited about that, and. Um, I went there, and I got acclimated, and uh, again, they had veterans that took care of us. They showed us the way, where to go, where not to go, how we do things here with the Raiders. This this is what you need to do. You can conduct yourself in a way as a professional, then you won't have any problem. But if you don't, you're going to have problems with the team, and you're also going to have problems with us. So the veterans kind of led the way. So it was a family atmosphere for me when I went to college and also with the Raiders. We're speaking with Art Shell on the Talk of Fame Network, Hall of Fame Tackle Art Shell on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. And Art, 
Um, I think it's uh, roughly 10% of NFL Hall of Famers played at the HBCU. Um, mm -hmm. And one of them was quarterback James Harris. We just had him on this program. Um, but, but, but that's right, Shaq. And, and we saw him at, at Canton this past weekend. I talked to him for a while, and he's a great guy. But anyway, roughly 10% of all Hall of Famers played at, at those colleges and universities. How much pride do you take in that? take a lot of pride in it because we came a long, long ways through tough times to get to where we, where we got to. And we took advantage of the, you know, the coaching that we got. We took advantage of the, the teachings that we got from the instructors at the school. And when we left the schools, I, I felt that we were ready to go out and, you know, and challenge and challenge in the world to become successful. And that's all we asked for, get a good education, have a chance to go play the game of football. And mm -hmm. then you, when I went to Oakland, you know, we had maybe four or five guys on the team that was from historically black schools, at least that many. Right. So, right. you know, uh, it, but it was a good experience for me. And I relished the time that I, times that I played and uh, went to school at the historically black school. Well, I covered one of them that uh, Shaq mentioned on uh, on the program earlier, and that was Charlie Joyner. And when I saw him in Canton, where I saw both Charlie and, and, and James Harris, James said, this is the greatest slot receiver who ever played. The greatest slot receiver. I, I said, I, I covered him for a lot of years. He was a Hall of Fame wide receiver, but more importantly, he's a Hall of Fame guy. I, I love Charlie Joyner. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie's a great guy. Again, Ada Robinson did a wonderful job at Grambling at Grandma State to um, raise those raise those kids. They were kids. They raised those right. kids into becoming the men that they are now. Right. Well, as you know, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame has taken over the Black College Hall of Fame, and they've moved it to where we were last weekend, which is Canton. Yeah. Do you do you see that as a chance to have the story of those college programs and the athletes who played there? Do you see that as a chance to have them told? And, and how important is it that that story is told? I think it's very important that, that you know, we, we played the game. Uh, we came through. We found a way to, to go to school. And historically, black schools are there for us. And, and we wanted to be as good as anybody else. And I think based on what we had, with the coaching we had, and with the, uh, the school, the teams that were out there, we played a good brand of football, obviously, because there was not a day when I was at uh, Maryland State that we didn't have when we practiced. There weren't scouts on the football on on the field. They were out there, and and I was amazed at that. And then at the end of my rookie, my freshman year, I started getting letters from pro teams, which was astonishing to me. Yeah, who who who? How did how did they know me? So it's because they were out, they were out there looking for talent. Especially the AFL, you know, they were new, the new league, and they wanted talent no matter where they were. So, but it's a it's a great thing that we have that um, that um, Hall of Fame. People will get a chance to see exactly what occurred at those schools, and we won't let the let the name or the brand of football that we play die out. And nobody know anything about it. They've got your helmet on display there. You know that where at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's got in the. Yeah, it's, it's a Raider helmet. It's in the um, uh, oh. Black College Hall of Fame, and it's got a crack down the middle of it. So yeah. you must have been banging heads with somebody. You must have you been know, banging. It's amazing. You look at those doggone helmets, and uh, I know the one I got one of my in my basement here. Uh, I think it's the first one I wore. And I look at the things. Like, How in the devil did we wear those things? How did yeah. we survive? You know, yeah. it's like a, just like a piece of plastic. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I've got a question I want to ask you here, and it's one that James uh, Harris brought up last segment, and, and we've got about a minute and a half left, but he sure. said he, he felt Eldridge Dickey was the most talented quarterback he'd ever seen coming out of those schools, and he was ultimately named, of course, the quarterback in the all-time HBCU team. Now, he was the first black quarterback drafted in the first round. He came to Oakland, as you know, with you as the 25th pick in 1968. The second-round sure. draft pick? It was Kenny Stabler. (laughs) You were the third round draft pick. Now, Eldridge ended up moving to wide receiver, and Stabler, of course, as we know, became a Hall of Fame quarterback. Did Eldridge Dickey get a fair chance? From my perspective, I thought he got a fair chance. I don't know at the time uh, how serious he was of of, of putting in the time to become a top-notch quarterback, but the guy was so talented, you know. And, you know, look, when he came out of college, he was so good in college, you know what they called him? Do you know what they called him? No. They called him the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> what? <laughs> I never what heard anything great. like that. That's what no, he was I haven't called. heard anything like that either. Yeah. That's what he was called in school because he was so good. This guy for getting the game and throw five or six touchdowns like it's nothing. And, you know, and he was, he was spoiled a little bit, you know, because of who he was in college. But I've never seen a guy, like, and I think Shaq is right, I've never seen a guy as talented as this kid. Eldridge could throw the ball with his left hand just as good as he could throw with his right hand. I never seen anything like it. I watch, I used to watch him. You know, you're fooling around and and you're watching guys just before practice start. Guys are throwing the ball around. He's throwing the ball with his left hand just as good as he threw with his right. It's amazing. <laughs> well, uh, too bad he didn't play today. I, I think he probably could have gotten a shot today and oh, start today. Geez. But uh, there's yeah. no telling what he could have done. Art, thanks so much for the time and thanks for the memories. I'll let Ronnie know what he missed. Okay, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on. You got it, Art. That was Hall of Famer Art Shell. Up next, it's a two-minute drill. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is Ozzie Newsom, general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, and you're listening to Talk of Fame Network.